Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation, Raising Nimdunis, a conversation with Arash Karami. And welcome to this Raising Nimrunis conversation. My guest today is Arash Karami, who actually was an important catalyst for this entire project, which we'll get into in the interview. Arash's official bio is that he's a contributor for Al Monitor, but if you're at all familiar with the Ron Twitter, you are no doubt already following his Twitter account, full of astute analysis about Iran and politics in general, and a few dad jokes thrown in there as well. This interview, again, was recorded in pre-COVID times. He now tweets about that a lot as well. And you can find him on Twitter at at the Karami, K-A-R-A-M-I. I highly recommend following him if you're interested in any of these subjects. But for now, let's listen to the interview. So I'm here talking with Arash Karami. Arash, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Glad to do this. And this whole project, this Raising Nimrunis podcast, started off because Arash actually wrote me on Twitter and asked me, as a Persian language instructor, if I'm teaching my kids Persian. So it's something that we all struggle with. He asked me this question, and I thought, actually, this is a great topic to cover with a lot of people. So Arash, thank you for being the catalyst for this project. Hey, I'm excited. I'm more excited as, or as anybody else is, so thank you for doing it. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you were born, and what is it that you actually uh, do? What's your involvement with Iranian topics? I was born in Iran. I was born in Tehran, and we came, my family and I came here when I was six. By the time I was like in second grade, I learned a language, but I always knew Persian. So that was always something that was with me, because we grew up at home speaking Persian with both of my parents. That was just a part of our life. One thing my dad did that was really like awesome that I appreciate at this age is that at home, we had to speak Persian to our parents. That was like something that always reinforced it. We weren't able to drop it because I know I have friends who spoke English to their parents growing up and they've completely forgotten Persian. For us, the fact that we had that, that was awesome. But my brother and I, he's a younger brother, we speak English together just because it's easier and we're better at English. As I, as I got older, I was always, had an interest in it. And as I was in college, I was like, you know, I want to learn how to read because I went to first grade in Iran, but I didn't remember much of it. So I just started reading things on my own. I got a private tutor for a while and I just started reading and reading and reading. And then I found topics I was interested in, which was politics. And then now I know how to read. I can write basic emails in Persian. And I am a contributor for Al Monitor. So I write about Iran on politics. And part of my job requires me to read a lot about what's going on inside Iran on the Iranian news sites. So you're fluent in reading, like you can read if you have like an article or something, it's it's easy for you? Yeah, I can read all like the news articles. And I mean, I still struggle with poetry. Right. I can't read Hafez, I can't read Molana, all these things. But then like, I, I struggle with English poetry too. So it's not like <laughs> my skills didn't transfer, you know what I mean? So I just don't get poetry. I can't follow the rhythm of it. And did you study Iranian politics or is this all stuff that you've learned on your own? I was actually talking to a friend about this uh, earlier. 
it was just like I, I knew politics from an age, you know, like I was born right mm-hmm. at the revolution. So like growing up, we were there in the early 80s. So, you know, like as like a four-year-old or five-year-old, I knew who Khomeini was. I knew who mm-hmm. Reagan was. I knew who Carter was. You know, like I just remember scenes of men just sitting around talking politics, very heated, very passionate because it was, you know, the country's going through a revolution. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of uh, inflamed kind of passion. So it, it was just something I always knew. I'm not that good at it, but I'm saying like like an athlete. It's like, oh, I always knew how to shoot the ball. I just kind of, it came naturally to me. So, but then of course, as I got older, I took it more seriously and I started reading a lot of books on it. I started kind of engaging in the conversation. It, I mean, I had to learn it, but it was just something that I always enjoyed and it was a part of growing up. Got it, got it. You're just kind of immersed in it and it's in your bones in a way. It is. And even when I try to leave it, I can't, you know, sometimes I'm like, dude, I'm done with politics. I hate this. This is like, it's killing me. It's going crazy. But, uh, you know, I, I always recommend people who kind of write about Iran to emotionally distance yourself from what's going on, because it's really draining if you take it personal or if you kind of identify with what's going on inside the country or if you have family like I do there. I always have to distance, like I have to create a distance, pretend I'm writing about a country that I don't know anybody there and it doesn't impact me. And that kind of does help you keep your sanity. Especially in the past few months. It's right? been yeah, crazy. Exactly. Getting back to your family life now, uh, you write a lot about your kids too, I noticed. You have, uh, like you say, you do a lot of dad Twitter. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your family. Where did you meet your wife? And then and how many kids do you have? My wife and I, we, we just met through mutual friends. You know, she's a white, or as we say, like, Amrikai. So... You know, like I got kind of lucky too that she really likes the Iranian culture. She really mm-hmm. likes like uh, Persian food. We got married. We uh, lived in DC for a number of years and then we had a kid. So we moved back to California, which is where we are now. So, in that regard, as far as like culturally, when the kids I have two kids now, one is five, one is a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I got lucky in a certain respect that I married someone who's really interested in the culture who, I mean, my wife, she cooks uh, a lot of Persian food and she doesn't do it out of like sense of love or loyalty to me. Like she genuinely likes it, you know? So she kind of just does it on her own. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of, to me, it's like interesting to have kids that like Persian food. It's like fascinating to me. Like my son loves just regular kebab so much. Uh-huh. that like there's times when we bought hamburgers for him and he's like no i want kebab we had to like cut up the hamburger meat and put it in rice and say no this is kebab just eat it please <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's like it's totally fascinating you know what i mean and that's like it's hilarious to me how he still he doesn't say kebab he says kebab so he says it like an american too so it's like i'm dying you know so there's that aspect of it too and now like my daughter's growing up and she really likes it and you know, they put like yogurt on it and they put somar on it. And like, if you don't have the somar, you have to go buy it and give him the somar because he won't eat it without uh, without the somar. So he's got his own system. It's hilarious to see my daughter and I'll totally pick it up too. That's amazing. Yes. And so you wrote me about wanting to teach your kids Persian and, and how they're, you know, speaking English. So how, how are you doing on that? Where, where are you at? Uh, oh, so a lot of guilt. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when my son was first born, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm all in it. I got my cousins from Iran. I'm like, send me as many children's books as you can. Cause I could read it. So it's easy for me. So they sent me all these books, all these books, all these books. And when my son was younger, they were great. My son loved it. We used to read together. He understood what was going on. I used to exclusively speak Persian to him and 
he used to respond in Persian as well. What age are we talking about here? From the time he started, he started talking pretty early, just like earlier than a year and a half, he started talking. You know, it's not like we're having like conversations, but he used to be able to respond or like tell me his request in Persian. But then when he turned three, we put him in preschool. Mm-hmm. And immediately after the first week, he's like, I'm done with Persian. Like he just was done with Persian. It was like, I'm like, what happened? Did they say something to you? Like, did they shame you out of it? Like, I was totally like baffled. But then I spoke to other family members here and couples that like were both Persian, couples that were like grew up in Iran, even their kids stopped speaking. Wow. After they started preschool. So they're like, don't worry. It's natural. Don't get panicked. But I did get panicked because, you know, my wife is white. She doesn't speak Persian. And I'm the only one that's doing it. And they're like, oh, they'll come back as they get older. They'll respond in Persian. But I'm like, I don't know. So... It, so preschool to us was a huge hit as far as him responding in Persian. And so what happens is he starts speaking in English and I immediately, just subconsciously, I start telling certain things in English. And now my son's got a pretty high vocabulary for his age. Yeah. He just really likes words and he's very curious. He always wants to know what big words are. So what that is, though, is like we're having kind of sometimes more in-depth conversation Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's hard for me now to like try to enforce Persian on him when he's comprehending everything in English. Right. Well, does he understand? Like, have you tried just having regular like kitchen Persian talk with him? Does he understand it still? He does. Yeah. So he understands the very basic commands. But if I was to have like a conversation with him, it would just he would just look at me with a blank stare. He wouldn't understand what I'm doing. So you can tell there's that kind of not full comprehension going on. And your daughter now, are you speaking Persian with her? Oh, no, poor girl. No, so she got, you know, the second child, you know what I mean? Like the first one, all your aspirations, all your like your idealizations that you have of like, well, my children are going to be this, they're going to be that. So the second one, I'm like, okay, let's just survive. You know what I mean? So let's just like, and then so it's English. So again, basic commands, but a lot of it's in English. I totally relate. You can relate, right? So what's it like? Is that like with you too? Well, I I told you when you asked me initially, I said the secret weapon is grandparents. And I really think that because I moved here when I was three from Iran. And I feel like I started, you know, I learned English in kindergarten. And then I was on the speaking English path. But we lived with my grandparents in the U.S. And so then my grandmother couldn't speak English at all. So I just had to, like, if I wanted to speak to my grandmother, I had to speak Farsi. So now, too, when my mom comes to visit, I tell her, I'm like, you can only speak to me. Like, I have given up on myself, maybe. <laughs> but, right, right. But, and, and, you know, the conflict is just... This project, the, this podcast is called Raising Nimrunis. We're talking about half Iranians. I think it would be a lot easier if your spouse could understand and mm-hmm. you're all standing in the same room and you can speak a common language. But I don't want, you know, my husband to be excluded every time I'm talking to my kid, you know? Right. So did you have to relearn Persian or was it just that come naturally to you because you're speaking with your grandmother all the time? Well, actually... I will also say not only was I speaking to my grandmother all the time, but it became this really big source of pride for me that I knew Farsi. And a lot of kids my age were losing their ability to speak speak it. And so when adults would try to speak to me in English, I would respond back with, I know how to speak Farsi. Why are you ta- talking to me in English? <laughs> like, right. Like, come on, give me more credit here. So for me, I don't know. I'm sure my mom instilled this. 
that's another thing. My mom, she had the first class in Dallas teaching Farsi to little kids. Oh, so there's so much pressure on you. There's no way you could have let it go. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, there's 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 two ways it could have gone. I could have been a rebellious kid, you know. Mm -hmm. But to me, the, the rebellion was being like, I am Iranian. I speak Farsi. Right. I mean, I don't know how to get that to, to these kids now, but, but that to me was very important growing up. I was like, I have the secret power. So does your mom today respect your like request to speak exclusively Persian to your children? A little bit. She keeps slipping, though. She, there she you slips go. That's a lot. What I'm talking yeah, about. Yes. How, how about your parents? What's going on? I, I can't get them to speak Persian to my children. Oh. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Because they did that to you. You're like, Dad, what happened to that rule? Exactly. Like, everything's out the window. And I'm like, wait, what? I don't get it. And I've told them so much that I completely... Now, at this point, I've given up. I'm like, it's, it's exclusively on my shoulders. Oh, man. So, and are they in California? Are you? Do you see them a lot? They're in California, and but we don't live like close, so they visit maybe like once a month or something. So it's not a consistent thing. But even when they visit, and what I it kills me is like both of my parents speak English uh, with an accent. So it's like, <laughs> it's like I'm like, why are you guys speaking to this kid in like a broken accented English? Like, you could be speaking like fluent Persian with him. You're killing me. That's right. So every time I say it, they'll say like two sentences in Persian. And like on a subconscious level, they just revert back to English every single time. Like how did it become non-important to you guys with your grandchildren? And I don't know. So to me, it's like a, such a constant source of struggle. So it's like. Is it really important for us to teach our kids to speak Persian? Why is it important? I always feel, and like this is like in my just experiences talking to people who also had a parent from a different country when they grew up and they didn't know the language they were always frustrated they're like why didn't you at least give me the foundation or the basics yeah. of this language so that when i'm an adult or when i'm in college and i want to take arabic courses i'm not taking it at the same level as all these other the white kids or the any other kids like why didn't you give me the foundation for that it's just one extra skill to have it's not even about pride or heritage or there's not it's just Knowing a language like opens a whole new world to you. Totally. The number of songs that I can listen to, the number of emotions that I'm exposed to just through this language, it fulfills a part of your life. It's really hard to say because I mean, like, I love the English language. I write in English. All these things I enjoy. I like playwrights who write in English. But having access to the Persian language and the way the language plays and the way the language like unfolds and sometimes there's a sentence in persian that it just stops you and you're like oh man and you're grateful for that you're grateful for those moments because if you didn't know the language that wouldn't exist to you or that sentence in english wouldn't have the same impact so it opens up a different world to you you know as a parent really like what's the goal i you know everyone has this idea of what they're it's, the parent is to give them as many resources and opportunities and set them up right that's kind of what right. every parent wants to do so why deprive them of this when it's there it's so at this moment it's effortless it's going to be so much harder for them in college to try to 
reconnect with a part of their roots or part of their interests or to see like, oh, they want to know where their grandparents came from. So those are kind of the things that I think about when I'm like, no, I really need to take this seriously. I really need to work with him. I don't know if that was the answer to the question or not. But... It does. Yeah. It, it's very, it was a very motivating speech. <laughs> Good. But obviously a lot easier said than done. Right. In what other ways are you passing on the culture then besides just language? You mentioned um, food. You know, I, uh, honestly, it's like my wife is really kind of the one that's passing down the food. You know, she really is. It's She likes the food. She likes the taste of the food. So she does that a lot. And, you know, it's funny. I'm really bad at the noodles thing. I'm really bad at the half scene thing. And I don't know. I don't know. It's because if I'm a guy and I associate that as like a female thing, like I'm going to get canceled for this interview, by the way. Um, but I <laughs> I don't know. Do you get it, though? Oh, totally, totally. I mean, especially if in your family that was generally something that was covered by your mom. I totally understand. Exactly. So I feel very, like, strange and to, like, even set up the half-scene table because I'm like, oh, that's, that's the woman's job, you know? So Right, right. That this is That's a whole different podcast, though. That's a whole different podcast. All right, podcast. so we'll see if we edit this part We're, talking about, we're not no, talking about gender fine, issues here. That, yeah. <laughs> that, gender issues with Iranian culture. Oh, my uh, God. That's your next podcast for sure, though. The next series. Next next series. <laughs> okay, well, so she's she's kind of doing the, the cultural things and, and you're not really... You're not doing the noruz and what about are your parents doing things like that? Like, do you go to their house for for noruz and? Uh, they do, but you know, my son now this is like the first age that he kind of even can comprehend it. I think, and I'm in my mind, I tell myself, well, as they get older, I'll expose them to it more and more. But you know, like realistically, is he ever gonna set up like a noruz table on his own? I guess I want him to be exposed to it, but I don't know if it's something that'll carry on, you know, but right. I think the language will carry on. I hope the food carries on. Well, another question that I, I have, what part of Iranian culture are you trying not to pass on to your son? Like, is there anything that you got, you know, growing up that you were like, absolutely not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure there is, but I still, I don't know. One, I don't want to let everybody know what it is, you know what I mean? Because let's keep our dark secrets to ourselves. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> I think on a very, uh, again, subconscious level, we kind of like this generation, our generation, they just came here, grew up here after the revolution that left. We kind of discarded it on our own. So it's not like we're holding on to it or carrying it anyway. That's true. I do feel like we've done a good job integrating. And I don't know, it's been an interesting few years. I feel like everyone's really well connected and really like open and, and talking to each other. And it's an, it's an interesting generation. I'm excited about the future, our future. Right. And I think we did a, I mean, you could just see it online. Like I, in some ways, I think even like yeah. you talk about politically, we're a little bit more tolerant of opposing views you know what i mean you don't see like this crazy angry like i don't know if you're how much time you spend on twitter hopefully not as much <laughs> more as than I i'd do, like to admit it, you see like a lot of the angry tweets i mean these aren't coming from like young people these are coming from the older people who are carrying like 100 years of like anger and they're trying to unleash it on you in one tweet so right don't, we don't have that you know what i mean we're like okay we disagree we don't like your viewer like but it's not that hostile so and i think Part of it is that we did probably grow up in an open society where there's not that anger anyway. Right. You know, so I think subconsciously we probably got rid of a lot of the stuff culturally that, that we don't like or we're not proud of. 
And the fact is that all of us, then people on this podcast series here, we married somebody outside of our own ethnicity and our own background. So that, that in itself is like, okay, we want to integrate even more, but we still think about like where we came from and we want to pass on part of our culture to us. Yeah, it's a really interesting mix. So that's your Twitter. Um, You have a lot of, you know, you talk about Iran a lot on Twitter. You have a lot of Iranian followers. What about in real life? Do you guys have an Iranian community, like your friends or people around you? Here in Park, California, we are. There's not a huge Iranian community. So that to me is actually one of the things I always think about that, like, I think it wouldn't be more important for my kids to grow up in that environment or not, because I grew up in Irvine, California. So there's multiple Persian grocery stores. There are Persian restaurants in Orange County itself. There's, you know, maybe a dozen Iranian restaurants. And so there's that constant exposure to it. We don't really have that here. And I kind of always think like, is it significant? Is it important? I don't know. And I don't know how much it's going to help them to go to school somewhere where there's a lot of Iranians. They're always going to have that last name. So that's always going to follow them. But both of them look white. You know, they're both like super white skin. They both have light hair. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I always think about that though. I think like, do I, do they need to be around? Because for me, when I went to high school, all my close friends were Iranian and that helped us get along. We felt like we were, we had a bond, we had a click, and you never felt alone. You always felt like, okay, no matter what, we're one of the groups that rolls together. You know what I mean? So we never, I never felt isolated. I never felt like I need to hide who I am. And we actually took a lot of pride in it. You know what I mean? They used to call us right. Persians. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I tell the Persians to come, whatever, basketball, party, anything. So we had that, but I don't know if my son's going to want that. And I don't know how... You know, and I don't know how cultural or social groups work. That's something I think about, though. Right, right. Well, <laughs> well, it sounds like we have a lot of questions and not <laughs> not a lot of, I don't, I don't know the answers. Right. Well, that's what makes a good podcast, honestly, is like just explore conversations, uh, explore topics. And I'm hoping through this series, maybe, you know, we can, we can keep this conversation going with our peers and, and see if, I don't know, maybe we can figure something out some way to keep the kids interested in the language. Maybe we can make some resources or... Or just like pick up tips or, you know, one thing I've always been interested in, and I guess there's a lot of dissimilarities, but just like the Italian-American community. There's a lot of Italians, especially on the East Coast. They claim Italian, but do they really know Italian? You know, do they speak Italian? They just eat Italian food. All their friends are Italian. Their moms are like half Italian or full Italian. You know what I mean? So like, I, th- I think there's a lot of similarities to that where they want to claim it, but really how much of it are they going to continue to pursue? So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how far it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for, for starting this conversation. So if people want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Just hit me up on Twitter. I'm always there. <laughs> what is your Twitter handle? <laughs> That's a really good question. I didn't prepare for that. Uh, what is my Twitter handle? Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I, didn't mem- <laughs> I don't memorize it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think it's at the Karami, T-H-E-K-A-R-A-M-I. Yeah, there you are. And creeping up on you, you'll be at 50,000 followers pretty soon. Okay. You always okay. have a lot of interesting things to say. I love following you. Um, so follow Adash if you want some really good news about Iran. If you, I mean, not good news, you know, just the news about <laughs> yeah, Iran. Like <laughs> or if you want to hear his dad jokes, which he's constantly working on <laughs> improving. 
<laughs> so thank you so much with uh, for talking with us. Absolutely. And good Thanks luck. For doing good this. luck with really all of it. it. <laughs> of course. And that wraps up our conversation with Arash Karami. Again, to find him, follow him at, at the Karami with Karami spelled K-A-R-A-M-I. And you can find me, Layla, on Twitter at, at just Layla. But it's mostly me posting photos of my kid learning how to ride a bike. If you want to stay on topic and learn some conversational Persian, you can find our conversational Persian lessons always free, always accessible at our website at chaiandconversation.com with chai spelled C-H-A-I. And that wraps up our Raising Numerities for this week. We'll be back with another interview very soon. So thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>